Thank you. Uh, hello and welcome to our Q4 2021 earnings call. And as always, it's great to have you all here and a big welcome, of course, to any one of you that is new to this. My name is Ross Adams and I am Acast's CEO and I am joined today by our brilliant CFO and Deputy CEO, Emily Villat. Okay. So before we kick into the numbers, I think it's worth reminding you all about our core ACAR strategy, especially for those of you that are new to this call. Podcasting, as you have heard, is a very fragmented space and it can be very difficult to get your head around who does what. Um, but the key thing to understand here, of course, is that ACAR plays the central role in hosting, distributing and monetizing content for creators. Our vision is built around the creator and the creator economy. Uh, ACAST is effectively, uh, as you can see here, a two-sided marketplace servicing the two main stakeholders. Firstly, that is, of course, the supply side, which is the center of our business, really, which is the creator. Um, in our case, of course, the podcasters. Um, and these guys are the center of everything we do here at ACAST. And today we represent 40,000 creators and that number is growing all the time. Uh, in turn, we, of course, have the demand side, and this comprises of 2,400 advertisers that run campaigns with ACAST in the past year on those podcasts, as well as the monetization of those podcasts directly from the 73 million monthly unique listeners in our marketplace. That is a whopper. Everything we do uh, and build, of course, is to support both sides of this marketplace. And it's our mission to enable podcasters of all sizes to be fairly rewarded for their craft. So we make sure their content is distributed to absolutely anywhere an audience is able to listen and discover their show. And for brands, we offer advertising solutions that reach an immersed, targeted, passionate and engaged audience of affluent listeners driving maximum effectiveness and ROI for the advertiser while always respecting the unique relationship and bond a podcaster has with their listener. These things are key and unique to Acast as a pure play podcasting infrastructure company and an app independent marketplace. Okay, so the CE update. Um, this time now um, to look at our recent highlights and with both Q4 and 2021 now closed, ACAST position of strength is super clear. We delivered 40% net sales growth in Q4 with a healthy gross margin of 36%. We also delivered a single digit adjusted EBITDA margin, which sat at minus 8% in Q4. When looking at 2021 as a whole, net sales growth was an impressive 73% across the year. Gross margin was 36% with our adjusted EBITDA margin at minus 15, which is a tangible improvement on the prior year. Emily will be presenting these financials, of course, in more detail shortly. When considering our full year performance against the financial goals, we set back in June. We are comfortable that we have the prerequisites in place to deliver these over the coming years. So let's take a look at our growth we've seen across our podcast portfolio. For the first time in a single quarter in Q4, we recorded more than 1 billion listens for our network of podcasts. 
And the number of shows that are part of that network increased to 40,000 as we've added another 5,000 podcasts just during Q3. Uh, if you look at um, this next slide here, here are what the numbers mean for ACAST. Um, if you were to track our numbers on the PodTrack ranker uh, when it comes to global downloads and streams, um, counting US, but also Europe, South America, Australasia, and the rest of the world, we are in fact number one to other US podcast networks, which is a huge, huge achievement and so shows the actual size of ACAST. We had 1.09 billion listens in Q4, and that puts us, of course, at the top of the pile. One of my favorite slides. Um, if you look at the US, we are now the third largest podcast network in the US measured by reach. We get 17.6 million monthly uniques, which puts us just behind NPR and iHeart and ahead of huge names like the New York Times, Wondery and NBC. Other good markers of market positions are both the Apple podcast charts and pod index chart in Sweden. As you may know, the Apple podcast charts are a great indication of popularity and pod index is based on hard listener figures. In Sweden and the UK, uh, which are two of the most mature podcast markets in the world, Acast podcasts absolutely dominate the landscape. As you can see from this snapshot taken one day last week, 60% of the top 10 and 72% of the top 50 shows in Sweden are with Acast. And in the UK, that figure rises even further to 70% of the top 10 and 58% of the top 50. Wow. We're not resting on our laurels, of course, and ACAST continued to attract the biggest and best podcasters throughout Q4. You can see here some of the most high-profile names to join us uh, from across the world. Notably, in October, one of Sweden's largest podcasts, Flashback Forever, became an ACAST podcast. After the end of the quarter, we also announced that Anna Faris, one of USA's biggest podcasters, joined ACAST too. Um, for these podcast giants to continue to choose ACAST alongside companies like the BBC, Financial Times and other big names demonstrates once again the great support for our creator-first strategy and our belief in the open podcasting ecosystem. There is so much depth of talent throughout the ACAST creator network. In fact, let's hear from just a few of them now. After all, we are an audio company. This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Hey, everyone. Part of the Acast Creator Network. I'm Julia Gillard, and this is a podcast of one's own. The Relatos de la Noche. Vous venez d'écouter Emotion. V-A-R-V-E-T, som värvet. We have a new podcast together called Kasich and Klepper from Acast and Treefort Media. Welcome to Worldview, a foreign affairs podcast from the Irish Times. Du har lyssnat på Rättgångspodden och på del 1 om skräcken i källarateljén. Queridos amigos de TN Español. Hello and welcome to Better Than Yesterday. I'm Asha Ginsberg. This is a global news podcast from the BBC World Service. And we are distributed by Acast. Find all episodes of Everything Iconic at acast.com slash everything iconic. Bienvenidos a otro episodio de Se Regalan Dudas en colaboración con Acast. Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrir, and Kate Spencer. As always, 
always, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Shag Marinoid, which is part of the Acast Creator Network. Thanks for listening to the Football Ramble, part of the Acast Creator Network. Great. Uh, one thing I wanted to briefly mention this quarter is the unparalleled access to quality data that Acast is afforded thanks to our unique position in the podcast industry. We underpin the entire open podcast ecosystem, which means we have access to a huge amount of quality data that we can use to help enrich our advertising offering and help our podcasters to grow their audiences. Every day, we can see data from every single listening app and platform out there, from Apple Podcasts to Spotify, Google Podcasts to Apple, Amazon Music, and everyone in between. Many of you uh, will know this already, but just to ensure we're all on the same page, um, I'm going to be talking about these kind of three things. First party data, this is data that we generate directly ourselves. Second party data, which is collected from other sources through a shared partnership. And of course, third party data, which is aggregated from other external sources. Thanks to our unique position, I mentioned, we can gather first body data from the potential entire spectrum of podcast listeners as we sit uh, on the pipes powering all podcasting listening apps. Our portal of first party data is uniquely rich and deep. So firstly, we have the data being fed to us from our 40,000 podcasts RSS feeds being consumed on all the different podcast listening apps. Next, we have our Acast owned properties, our embed player, which all of the podcasters customize and share across the web. Um, it's sending back data from 233 countries. Our own listening apps, the Acast app, Radio Public also provide us some data. Each of our podcasts has its own customizable website to share too um, with listeners. And we also get feedback and data from that too. Uh, and we run regular listener surveys through our podcasters to get even more granular data on their habits. Next, we use deep audio intelligence powered by speech-to-text transcription and machine-based content analysis. This allows us to quantify key themes, sentiment, and contextual elements within individual podcast episodes, helping to inform ad campaigns and ad planning campaigns and seller efficiency across our entire catalogue. And now, thanks to ACAST Plus, we have tens of thousands of logged-in authenticated podcast listeners, which will very soon become hundreds of thousands with the wide rollout of the product, with potential to ultimately reach all 73 million of our monthly unique listeners. These users log in to get an authentic and tailored experience through their podcast memberships. And with this approach, we're effectively creating the world's largest and farthest reaching podcast listener panel. Besides from all this rich first party data, we also work with well-respected partners such as Nielsen and Comscore to power third party data audience segments and enable brand suitability and safety too. So what does all this rich and diverse data allow us to do and how does it further our mission? Well, it means we can really offer the likes of really powerful, effective ad targeting, actionable insights for both advertisers and podcasters alike, and perhaps most excitingly, true innovation for the whole ecosystem. One of those innovations is best-in-class conversational targeting for our advertiser clients, which we believe is the future of podcast advertising in a privacy-centric manner. 
Conversational targeting is powered by our AI and machine learning capabilities and allows us to find the right content for the right brand to advertise within based on episode level insights, like the words and phrases being spoken by the podcast hosts, and even the sentiment and emotion with which they're being spoken about. This also has clear benefits when it comes to brand safety and suitability, as we can help brands steer away from conversations they're less comfortable with. Now, I've mentioned our paid podcast subscription product, Acast Plus, several times so far in this presentation, but I'm keen for you to hear more about its inception, rollout and success from a key member of our product team, Lauren Tharp. Over to you, Lauren. Hi there. My name's Lauren Tharp. I'm a product manager here at Acast based in the United States. I wanted to talk to you today about one of the products my team has been working on called Acast Plus. Acast Plus is a raft of powerful subscription tools created to support podcasters in monetizing even more of their audience across the majority of podcast listening apps. We're excited to announce that it is now out of a successful beta and widely available to all podcasts hosted with Acast. Acast Plus is an important part of our growth and scaling plans as a business, and for those of our podcasters too. Available in 135 countries, it makes good on our creator-first mission by giving podcasters of all sizes creative freedom and even more ways to connect with their listeners and make money. Podcasters can offer paying subscribers ad-free listens, early access, exclusive content such as bonus segments, whole episodes, spinoff series, and so much more. The way that Acast Plus differs from other podcast subscription offerings you may have heard about is that, crucially, Acast Plus works across the majority of listening apps. This includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, CastBox, and many, many more. This means that podcasters can offer these paid-for benefits wherever their listeners are already listening. This removes a lot of friction and it strengthens even further the relationship that podcasters have with their fans. We're in the middle of the whole ecosystem, powering paid-for podcast subscriptions across the majority of listening apps and platforms out there. Acast Plus also provides our podcasters and Acast itself with even richer data on listeners. While always respecting privacy and security, crucial in scaling both podcasts and product. In our beta period, we saw tens of thousands of listeners sign up across memberships in eight different markets globally, all helping our partners significantly increase their revenue through Acast Plus. Of these tens of thousands of listeners who signed up during the small testing period, our beta partners saw an average revenue increase of 25% during the testing period. With Acast Plus now available to all podcasters on Acast, the next stage of the product rollout will include providing additional formats, such as bundling and seasonal offerings, all to capitalize on the relationship between the podcaster and their listener. Thanks for having me. It's great talking with you today. Thank you very much, Lauren. Um, I am so incredibly excited about the potential for what is a market-changing product. And as you saw in the product demo, in this case, working alongside Apple Podcasts, positions Acast at the heart of the industry once again. Just to underpin the revenue potential for Acast Plus, going forward, Acast will generate 15% revenue per Acast Plus listener contribution, which will be accounted for net of the podcaster's share in Acast financial statements. 
a percentage, of course, which is competitive within the industry. There's so much going on in podcasting, but here are some of the highlights from Q4. Uh, it's clear to me that the open ecosystem is the most sustainable way forward for the industry, and it continues to serve the interests of podcasters by giving them creative control and the freedom to reach all listeners everywhere. Paid subscriptions, like those we're offering through ACAST Plus, have real potential when it comes to helping podcasters to make more money, which of course is crucial if they're to keep on creating the content their listeners love. We very much see subscriptions as a revenue stream to complement ad-supported monetization. Influencers from other media channels are starting to flock to podcasting as another way to engage with their fans. And we're seeing creators from YouTube and TikTok starting up their own podcasts. And we expect this trend to accelerate further. The advertising landscape continues to be a healthy mix of both regular ads and host-read sponsorships while programmatic buying um, where ACAST is truly the market pioneer, has become the industry's fastest growing advertising channel. Finally, certain uh, recent events have shone further light on the need for all podcast platforms to provide and enforce relevant, transparent community guidelines for creators. And it goes without saying that ACAST community guidelines are shared with all podcasters and made publicly available on our website and have been for a number of years. Right, now it's time for me to pass the mic over to Emily, who's going to take you through our financials in a little more detail. Take it away, Em. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Ross. Okay, let's start by looking closer at our listens. As you know, the quarterly listens surpassed 1 billion in Q4. It's lovely to be above um, billions. It's, it's wonderful. And if we look at the full year, listens continue to grow and we deliver 26% growth year on year, reaching 3.7 billion listens for the full year. Per usual, the business continues to improve the way that we're monetizing each of those listens. And our key metric, our whole average revenue per listen increased from 0.2 SEKs in 2020 to 0.27 SEKs in 2021. We look at Q4, listens growth actually accelerated compared to Q3, which can be seen on the right hand side. And as Ross, knows, <laughs> Ross noted, again, that one billion in, in Q4. Uh, you might recall from Q3, we discussed uh, Apple bug effects that we flagged, but they do not have any significant effect on listens when we look at the year uh, as a whole when it comes to listens growth. Moving on to net sales. We grew net sales by 73% in the year, reaching 1.026 billion SEKs for the year. Again, another billion milestone reached. So that was uh, a neat one to hit. We look at organic growth for the year. It was slightly higher, coming in at 74% year on year when adjusting for FX. Now, before going to, into commentary around the quarters, I'll just briefly note a few highlights from our segments, as all of our segments contributed to this net sales growth. Now, Europe's net sales increased by 77%, America's by 70%, and other markets by 59% when we look at their full year growth. 
Now I'm just highlighting here as well that the growth in the Americas was significantly impacted by currency effects. And when you look at their growth on an organic growth basis for the full year, America's grew by 78%. So wonderful contribution from all segments. We're looking at the quarters on the right-hand side and the trend. We see the usual seasonality in the podcast advertising where Q4 is the strongest quarter of the year followed by a softer Q1. All right, gross profits grew by 70% in 2021 compared to 2020, reaching 373 million SEKs for the full year. And this is the result of our strong net sales growth combined with delivering a healthy 36.4 gross margin for the full year. Now, uh, looking at the quarter, we also achieved a healthy gross margin of 36.5% this time around. Now, Ross has mentioned ACOS Plus, and in the future, ACOS Plus will, over time, start to contribute to uh, net sales, gross profits, and gross margins. But it may take a little bit of time for us to see a discernible financial impact. Now, moving on to operating expenses, here we can see and evidence how our business operations continue to scale. Here we're illustrating how other operating expenses have grown materially slower than our net sales. So if we look at the full year and exclude our one-off IPO costs, our other operating expenses grew by 53% year on year, which is 20 percentage points slower than our net sales growth that came in at 73%. So we're just illustrating the scalability that we have in the business, even as we continue to invest in both market expansion and our uh, technology platform. So you can see those measured investments coming through quarter by quarter on the right hand side. All right. This scalability that we're, that we're evidencing is also coming through in the improvement that we made in our adjusted EBITDA margin year on year. So we landed a negative 15% adjusted EBITDA margin in 2021 compared to negative 21% in 2020. On the right-hand side, looking at the quarters, you can see the seasonality trend with net sales flowing through to EBITDA and that late COVID recovery in 2020, which almost had us a break-even in Q4 2020. So we can see that seasonality come through in EBITDA as well. But overall, the trend remains consistent. Our adjusted EBITDA margin is improving materially year on year. Now, we have some bonus content for the full year. So for the full year, we report on our largest individual markets, UK, US, and Sweden, all of these three markets contribute more than 10% of revenues uh, each uh, to, to the full year. So we will be disclosing this on an annual basis and on a quarterly basis per usual, you'll be able to follow uh, our segments growth and local profit contribution in each quarterly report. But let's have a look at how the UK, US, Sweden did both on net sales and at the local profit level. 
as you can see, we're delivering strong growth with the US achieving the strongest compound annual growth rate for this period from 2019 to 2021. The US delivered 85% compound annual growth. But the UK and Sweden are also showing uh, fantastic growth. UK growing 68% in 2021 um, and Sweden growing 74%. And this is uh, coming from uh, the markets already having a dominant position in, in their local markets. So their growth is, uh, is very strong as well as so everyone is contributing. Now, all three markets deliver full year local profits, and the US did so for the first time, which was also a neat scalability milestone to hit. Now, in addition to these reported figures, I'm also delighted to share with you that both the UK and Sweden were profitable after allocating not just local costs, but global costs as well. So at their operating profit level, both the UK and Sweden were fully profitable in 2021. For Sweden, this was the first year it happened. UK did the same in, in the last year. So it's just wonderful for all of these three markets to continue to scale and deliver these milestones. Hats off. And of course, um, we, uh, we feel very comfortable and happy with this progress as it illustrates our financial viability and uh, the sustainability of our business model. Now, before I hand back to Ross to wrap this up, I'm just going to spend one minute on our cash flows. So we've been working in the background to improve how we manage our working capital. And just like that, we reduced outgoing operating cash flows by more than half, going from negative 189 million in 2020 to negative 72 million SEKs, excluding those IPO costs, in 2021. Now, of course, individual quarters will see an impact um, in cash flows from operating expenses coming from working capital fluctuations. In Q2 2021, we had the impact of IPO costs. So the quarter-on-quarter -quarter cash flows may, may fluctuate. But the trend is clear. The business has improved its operating cash flows um, steadily and significantly over time when looking at the full year progress. Needless to say, I'm pretty pleased with this result. Ross, back to you to wrap it up. As am I, um, thank you for that. Right, I'm sure you all can all agree now that um, it's incredibly encouraging to see so much growth coming from many different markets and different parts of our business. Uh, so it's a great time, of course, to be an Acaster. But finally, before we wrap up and take questions from the audience, there are a few things to cover off in terms of how we've kicked off 2022. Our efforts continue in working to attract podcasters of all sizes the world over. We are furthering and redefining our data strategy to enhance our advertising offering even more. And of course, we're continuing to roll out and market ACAST Plus across multiple regions whilst continuing on feature enhancements for that product. And that's it for the earnings call. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do wish to ask a question, please press zero one on your telephone keypad. If you wish to withdraw your question, 
you may do so by pressing 02 to cancel. There will be a brief pause while questions are being registered. The first question comes from Derek Liberty from ABG. Please go ahead. Yes, uh, good morning, uh, team. Uh, I um, uh, really appreciate uh, the positive development uh, in terms of uh, financials, uh, the growth and shows, and, and not least ACAST uh, Plus and many other things. And with regard to ACAST Plus, uh, how do you expect um, uh, platform uh, compatibility to, to look going forward? Because it's my understanding that it's not available on, on Spotify at the moment. And, uh, I know it is at Apple, but there there seem to be some some functionality issues there. So so I was just wondering about this because I, I would think that um, uh, what a problem with the the two largest uh, listening platforms on a global basis uh, that, that that this is quite important for just for the uh, uh, how smooth it is to to sort of use the uh, yep. the product. Yep, I mean you know Acast Plus right now is available to every single listener so even if you're listening on spotify you can of course listen to an acast plus show but you'll listen to it um elsewhere um, but you can access it from from um uh that side so you'll, you'll hear the promotion for it you know we're constantly working with the other apps that um don't now support uh, acast plus but that's over 80 percent uh, of our listeners and 80 percent of our reach actually does support acast plus so for us it's about working closely with them understanding the needs and the the uh, product um, and how we're developing it um, so you know that's kind of work in progress really that's good, good news and that makes sense um, and on acas plus also uh, what would you say is, is the most um, i know you just came out of uh, beta uh, mode here but, but what's the most used feature on the listener side is it uh, ad free or or is it uh, early access i guess you get both in yeah. a lot of cases but uh, yeah i mean it's it's up to the creator how they want to bundle that and you know ad free is kind of the easiest way to access and use acast plus because you know everyone loads up an ad free version um to acast and we dynamically insert all of our adverts so it's easy to strip them out at the same time as well um so whilst that's the easiest thing to use if you want to convert more of your audience and we see actually that when people actually produce unique content and actually you know produce a brand new show for their listeners that's when we see a higher conversion so that's really the the bigger part of what's being adopted ad free is you know a small percentage of that the larger opportunity is actually the exclusive content um, that, that people produce okay and um, uh, and also um on another topic here, I mean, given the, the recent news flow and, and uh, discussions about uh, Joe Rogan and, and Spotify, yep. uh, I mean, have, have you, um, uh, this doesn't relate to you directly, of course, but, but I mean, have you changed uh, anything or, or planning to do anything related to your operations um, uh, or do you not consider this a, a potential issue for you as you, you don't sort of own the, the content per se, or, or how are you sort of mindful about the potential uh, yeah, I mean, issues I, here? Yeah, I mean, good question. I think um, one of the most important things to understand about Acast is that unlike Spotify and the Joe Rogan matter, uh, Acast is not in the business of making content available or promoting it exclusively on one single app or listening platform. Um, you know, we've got zero control, creative control over the content of our podcasters. 
uh, which they decide to record and publish. But ACOS does, of course, have a responsibility to protect listeners and advertisers from any content that, of course, is illegal or deemed harmful or, of course, inappropriate. And so as soon as we are informed, uh, we'll always remove any content from our hosting service that is in violation of our terms of service. And we'll never actively promote content that could, of course, violate these terms. So we've been ahead of this for a very long time. You know, our terms of service have existed for many years and are publicly available. And this is something that that, that we um, are very well prepared for, if anything were to happen. Um, but we are a very different type of service in that case, in that scenario. Thank you for, for that answer. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. And, and um, I was also wondering if you could shed some light on, on uh, sort of helping us understand the balance between uh, listens growth and, uh, and, uh, and monetization or, or ARPL here. Uh, not, not maybe the numbers per se, but I mean, you're, you're clearly doing very well in improving monetization further and, uh, and the shows are are growing uh, greatly here, but I'm just thinking about the issue. I mean, if, if shows were to like expand meaningfully, if you in some by some form you would get like ten or twenty thousand more shows through an acquisition or or, or just signings or whatever. I, I think at some point, I guess it could become an issue of, of sort of satisfying everything and, and um, putting that um, uh, advertising demand that you have on, on all shows. So, so how are you thinking about this? And are you saying no to shows, be, uh, et cetera? Just uh, some, some comments on that would be helpful. And right. so, Yeah, sure. I mean, we, uh, it's a really important point, you know, and this is why we've highlighted in the past that we foresee listens to continue to grow, but we also foresee uh, average revenue to uh, grow alongside. And it is really important that we increase our ARPOL for the reason that you mentioned. We want to be an attractive partner to our podcasters, and it's a key metric for us to continue to improve monetization and uh, make sure that we deliver on those promises to, to podcasters. And we share in those spoils, so of course it, it benefits all of us. So uh, we believe that this will continue to progress growth in listens and growth in more effective monetization. Okay, uh, and, and finally, from from my side, I, I, I know in the report you you had some positive comments about the uh, the development of a programmatic uh, sales. So I'm I'm just wondering if uh, could we get some some specific figure on that how. Maybe how much it's up, and uh, just if you could remind us, uh, rem remind us what the, what the share uh, of, of programmatic sales is of, of the total. Uh, it's not a big share of the total, but it's growing fast. It is our fastest growing uh, channel. Now we haven't split it out because it's uh, started from a small base, but who knows in the future that might be something that uh, that uh, we'll disclose. But it's really strong growth, really encouraging. It's a scalable, automated product, and uh, we have a team that is best in industry in podcasting and programmatic. All right, sounds good. Thank you very much. That's, uh, That's right. those, those were all my questions. Thank you. The next question comes from Dennis Berggren from Carnegie. Please go ahead. 
Good morning, and thank you for, for taking my question. Um, following up on, on ACOS Plus, uh, could you provide some, some more details on some of the current status on uh, how many podcasters are currently using ACOS Plus? And, and also, I think you were pretty clear on that we shouldn't expect any major contributions already here in, in Q1. Uh, but how do you think about this, this potential in the midterm? I mean, how much could it contribute to your 24 revenues um, and, and also how important is this launch for you to reach the, the organic growth target? All right, so on, uh, yeah, that one up. Hi, Dennis. Wonderful to speak with you. So when we look at ACOST Plus, I'll just uh, reiterate again, which Ross mentioned, that we are counting for this net and we're taking around 15% of each listener contribution uh, net of the podcasters share. So the way that ACOS Plus will behave in the statements, it's, it's more, it look and behave more like a SaaS product. Um, uh, net sales, high gross margin and contributing to gross profit and gross margins over time. But it is a smaller portion and we're starting from, from a small base. So we're really keen to see how this can contribute over time. We still foresee that we will be majority um, ads-based business but we are very hopeful that a cost plus and this is exactly what our you know what our initial beta test is showing us that for those podcasters that sign up and they work in an engaged way with their audience they convert between two three four sometimes even five percent of their audience to uh, paying subscribers so uh, it's about us making this product as valuable for uh, podcasters, ease of use, offering different features and so forth. And over time, um, this will contribute to our PL. So, and I think you picked it up the right way. Near term, uh, we, will, we won't see any uh, revolution in our PL, but over time, we're hoping that this can be a, or we're comfortable that this will be a, um, a good contributor to our uh, gross profits. Perfect, thank you. Um, a question uh, related to, to sort of competition. Um, we've seen the subscription-based podcast platform Podme uh, attracting a number of large names here in Sweden. Uh, actually, some of, some of the ones listed at the uh, previous top list. Um, I mean, what's your view here? How do you make sure to defend your relationships with podcasters against these uh, premium subscription-based platforms? What, what is the, the strategy here? And for us, we allow our creators to kind of choose where they want to monetize their platform. You know, we give them complete freedom of doing that. And, you know, we've attracted 5,000 new podcasters over the quarter. So you're always going to see a slight bit of churn, but we have no reliance on any, you know, one podcast. So, you know, the churn is, is normal and it's not uh, an issue for us. You know, we're focused on an open ecosystem. We're focused on monetizing in the way that the creator wants through advertising and now through subscriptions. And if you want to reach as large an audience as possible, that's the best way to do it through ACOS. Perfect. And then finally, um, can you say something on the, the cost dynamics during the quarter and perhaps uh, especially on sales and marketing costs? Uh, we saw a very small increase compared to Q3, uh, despite Q4 being this quarter with uh, very high activity. Uh, what factors are coming into play here and, and uh, what should we expect going into 22? Thanks. Thanks, Dennis. All right. So looking at the sales and marketing costs um, in Q4, we do have some variable costs in our sales and marketing uh, cost line uh, and they will fluctuate um, quarter 
on quarter. Um, in Q4, it's never, it's never the easiest time to attract the talent in sales in advertising because people are focused on delivering that year end. That slightly changes when you get into uh, to Q1. Q1 has been historically an easier time to attract talent, both on tech and, and on the sales side. So I think that's just a, a natural um, dynamic generally in the market, actually. Was that helpful? Definitely. Thank you. Okay, great. Thanks, Alice. Thank you. The next question comes from Kanohi Johnson from Barclays. Please go ahead. Hi, yes, it's, it's Emily here. Uh, so I've got three questions, if I may. Uh, the first one is just, I, I know, Ross, you touched on 2022 at the end of your remarks, but is there any colour that you can share on current trading in the podcast ad market in, in January and February so far? For example, have you seen any wariness from advertisers around podcasting, uh, given the Joe Rogan fallout? Um, my second question is, can you talk about how you think about the shape of your growth across your geographies? So, for example, the US grew 60% in 2021, which is in line with your CAGR target, but below what the group as a whole grew during the year. Do you think that Europe and the rest of the world will be the biggest drivers of your growth going forward? Or is there anything specific to consider about the timing or phasing of your US growth? Um, and then thirdly, um, in, in terms of your gross margins, are you seeing any impact on your revenue splits? So the 30-70-50-50 the splits across uh, podcast formats um, as you come to renegotiate those contracts or you know, perhaps sign podcasters in a market that is starting to mature from a you know, relatively uh, nascent base? Those are my three questions, please. All right. Thanks, Emily. Uh, um, shall I just I'll quickly touch on the first one and, and then pretty much they're, they're all yours if you want. <laughs> Thanks, <Will>. um, <laughs> Thanks, Ralph. <laughs> Thank you uh, um, for those questions. I think it, I just wanted to add about the, you know, um, Joe Rogan and has that shown any hesitancy with advertisers investing in podcasts? Absolutely not. But actually, you know, I think if you look at how we look at the um, safety of where we're delivering ads for our partners, we work with the likes of Comscore as well to really verify and make sure there's safe content for advertisers um, to uh, deliver their core messages in. And obviously they feel huge safety with us that we, this is something we've been doing for a very long time. We take care about, and we've, we've, we're very, very cautious about who, is allowed into our marketplace and with what content. So um, uh, to answer briefly, no, we haven't seen any hesitancy. So if I jump into that uh, question again around near-term near -term guidance on Q1, we don't tend to give near-term guidance. You know, overall, we're very comfortable with our uh, overall financial goals and we're comfortable in uh, delivering overall goals in 2022 as a whole. In terms of Q1, historically what we've seen is that seasonality where Q4 is the strongest sales quarter and Q1 comes in um, softer than Q4. We've also historically been quite investment heavy in Q1. 
we look at the geographic growth and you've double clicked on the Americas and the US, I come back to looking at both US and, and Americas over two year rolling basis. We had a lot of FX boost in 2020 and very strong growth. And we had FX impacting those numbers, both in the Americas and the US negatively in 2021. So on a compound annual uh, growth basis, uh, US grew 85% between 19 and 21. When you look at the FX impact of the Americas, if you dig through the, the report, you'll see that um, Americas delivered 78% organic growth in 2021 compared to 70% reported. And you can apply a similar FX impact to the US. So organic growth for the US would have been around 66%, uh, which is higher than the 60% reported in SEKs for 2021 as a full year. So coming to the question, who will contribute in 2022? We foresee, um, we had everyone contribute to strong growth in 2021, and we expect everyone to contribute to growth in um, 2022, Europe, US, Americas alike. And it's really lovely to see as well in the Americas, our investments in Mexico and Canada working together with our strong US team to deliver synergies and, uh, and cross-border cross opportunities together. So that's a great collaboration that is taking place. Moving on to the uh, gross margin and splits. In 2021, uh, the main driver of our gross margin, the resulting gross margin, was the way that we sold our products or our product mix. And you will recall from previous uh, earnings calls that we've highlighted that we have sold slightly more uh, or skewed a little bit more towards selling native ads or host spread sponsorships, and they come at a lower split. But at a higher price, a higher CPM, so at the gross profit level, we still get, get a neat cut. Uh, when it comes to uh, contracts and splits, it's the usual commercial uh, relationship or, or, or dynamic that takes place. We have a different conversation with some of the bigger podcasters than uh, we have with those who are growing and, and being funded up through our network. But it is our mission to, to continue to work with all sides of podcasters and to, to improve monetization for us. and for them. So the increase in ARPL is a great help in us continuing to, to uh, provide good uh, monetization for our podcasters and with ACOS Plus as well. It's a new revenue stream that can contribute in a good way to podcasters' earnings. Okay, thank you very much. There are no further questions. Dear speakers, the floor is yours. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye. We'll see you all next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.